right, welcome back, guys, to Power Stroke Tech Talk Podcast. This is number 12, and we got uh, quite a few dudes here tonight. Got a few newcomers. Um, we got DS up in the top right. We got Mr. Ryan top left. Got Kegman, Nate, and Svets on the bottom. Uh, Matt's MIA. He is out of town this weekend. This is January 1st. 21 podcast number one what's going on guys welcome back to the channel um we got uh some things we're going to talk about we did some some stuff to ds's truck actually today he was the first one to partake in my uh oil change deal i got going on um here at the shop and um the newcomers down at the bottom, we're going to talk about their trucks and see uh, what they're what they're rolling with and uh, kind of go from there. So, um, Svets, why don't you uh, lead us off? Just uh, tell us what you're driving and, um, yeah, your geographical location, I guess. All right. Sounds good. I'm calling from uh, northeastern Ohio and uh, right around the Youngstown, Canton Alliance area. And uh, I'm driving up. 2006 F-150 Super Crew FX4. It's got the 5.43 valve in it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And uh, I got, uh, it's kind of funny because when I first got this truck, I went through Westgate Ford Truck Center in Youngstown to get it. And I had to go pick it up, and it was right where A-Rod and DS are up in Detroit, right where out of Centerline, Michigan. Oh, so hell it's, yeah. Uh, it was a cool ride. I got to see a lot of amazing um, Michigan sites going up there, so I really enjoyed that. And uh, so far, the truck got close to 93,000 miles on it. It's my daily driver. Oh, right on. And I, tr I try to keep it as clean as can be, and it still looks new. And uh, hopefully I can hang on to it for about another four or five years. That's awesome. Uh, what color is it? What color is it? So I can paint the picture. It, sure it's uh it's black oh okay okay all okay. black okay you got anything done to it got like bigger wheels or got tinted windows or something or got anything done you know what yeah yeah i got uh 35 tints i got word, a tonneau word. cover from expang it's got the bows on it one. which dude you know what you should get get the one that's flat you know that's solid yeah. but it's flat the one with the bows i'm telling you every time you're hauling something with for payload you got to take them out throw them in somewhere and it, it's it's a real pain in the butt word uh i'd look i look at uh oh man what's like truxedo i think it's a decent one and then they got this latest one where it's like you could slide it in and out it's like kind of like mechanical but it's it's up there in price i kind of don't know what your price range is but word for you i, I would look into something like that streamline <laughs> yeah i'm digging that X-Tang's a local uh, business. Oh, are they? They're based out of Ann Arbor, my uh, hometown. Yeah. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Word, word. What, uh, what, what, do, you, what do you got, Nate? Uh, uh, what do you So, roll? 2020 uh, F350 STX um, with the 6.7 power stroke. First, what, uh, newer diesel for me. Yeah. What do you, uh, what are you using that for? Using it for a daily driver, using it for work? Both. So it's like a daily driver. 
um, slash truck, plow, vehicle. We haven't got enough snow to plow. Gotcha, gotcha. What uh, what do you what are you looking for mileage on yours? Oh, I'm pushing about twenty thousand miles. Okay, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Oh wow, definitely a little yeah. more than what uh, DS and I got. Um, yeah, you know, today was was actually. Um, quite a not a learning experience but it was it was good information we ran into something ds had put up a video uh, not too long ago um, about oil consumption with his f450 and um you know it really kind of sparked my my uh concern because you know now i have one of these and what it's going to mean for me as an owner and as now a technician repairing this and my truck and what you know what that all i'm on this side of the fence now um his oil was was in fact low, and there was another guy, uh, another subscriber of mine, who had uh, changed his oil, and I immediately told him, I said, "Hey, go and check your oil." He sent me a picture, and sure as shit, his oil was in the exact same spot, and then I had to check mine, and mine was low. Now I changed my oil uh, one time already, and I did that when I was in PA when I saw Rich. Shout out to Limitless. Woo woo. Um, and that was at like 48 ish hundred miles. And now I got like 7,700 and I was no BS, a quart low. All three of our dipsticks were in the exact same spot. So now we're wondering since D I know I put 13 quarts in there, 100%. I brought a whole case and one quart. Now DS's has never had an oil change until today. So he has been rocking the factory oil. And you know what, DS, why don't you why don't you tell exactly what you did? You went to go check your oil and, and what did what what did you find? Well for me it's like when you get a new truck or a new car, you kind of expect that it's not gonna have any problems with the oil. But I kind of learned over the years that even though for a new vehicle until you've established that it's not burning oil, you got to kind of check it. You know, you got to check it regularly. So I got busy. I didn't check it for a while. You know, I checked it when it was new. And I remember it being full. But I plowed a couple times and I've been idling a lot. And uh, just got done plowing for like 12 hours. So I went ahead and checked it again. And it wasn't anything on the stick. Like it was like. Like, Barely. what do you mean not on the stick? I'm a beast. I want so, you to be specific. So, what like, do you mean? so, like, you wipe the stick off and then you put it back and you pull it out. And there's nothing there. But if you look at the bottom of it, like the bottom round, oh. you can barely get it to stay in your finger. Wow. It barely, wow. Was, it barely touched anything. So, it's like the, that low. It was He's not making low. this up. He's not making this up. Yeah, it was that low. So, I started it Crazy. up, I warmed it up, and then checked it. I warmed it up and let it sit there then checked it again it was that low and i think we should Full probably top. tell we should tell everybody the variables that we're working with what was the sequence that we did uh we were at work and then you did you know prior to you coming to me you you ran it for how long and then you let it sit for how long today today or then the the few days ago when you were checking it and you had to add 1.4 quarts what was your, what was your, you, you let it run for, what was it, 10 minutes? Got it up to operating temperature and you let it sit for 15 minutes? 
when I when I added the 1.4 quarts, I let it. I, I drove it for about 20 minutes at least, 20 30 minutes. Made my runs, kept checking it throughout the throughout the day, and when I got home, I parked it in the driveway, backed it up so it was level on the level part of the driveway, and uh, and I put the uh, oil in after it settled for like 15 minutes. Then I checked it again. It was like, okay, now it's time to start adding oil. I put in like 1.4, 1.5, whatever quarts, and brought it up to the. Because when you look at the dipstick, there's two lines. There's a bottom line and there's a top line. And I brought it right up to the bottom line. Oh. So there's the there's a crosshatch pattern on the stick, and then there's mm-hmm. a bottom notch. And I brought it right up to the bottom notch. And uh, when we brought it in to you today, it was still right at the bottom notch where I where I added. And in between there, I had a full nine, 10 hour plowing uh, day of plowing. I had a ton of idling. So I've been working the truck more and it hasn't burned any more oil. So, so he comes to work today. <clears throat> we do his first maintenance. We made a video. It's going to be uh, coming up um, uh, probably right around the time that this, this podcast is out. Um, uh, greased all his stuff, did the water separator, did the air pressure, swapped the front tires, added 13 quarts of full synthetic, <laughs> bloop, 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 13 times. Exactly 13 quarts. Ran the engine for a few minutes and shut it off save the air pressures for then let the truck sit go around get the air hose get your gloves on go around you know you're taking 10 15 minutes to do all six tires get down you know doing all this so you know doing two things at once time goes by we go and check the oil and it is in the middle of the stick we're like are you are you wow are you serious we we went and looked at it we went and looked for an extra court. We counted the courts to confirm that we actually in the trash. Yeah, we're like, um, there's 13 courts here. What? Now, I I don't know about you, but I I don't have a hard time counting. I know it's not lucky number 13, but we put 13 courts <laughs> in it and it did not fill it up. So we added one more. I didn't have any more full synthetic that um you know was bought and paid for. Uh, so I had to get, uh, some 1030 that we had and I added exactly one quart and it brought it up to the top of the hash marks to the top of the stick where I would feel it would be full. So, um, that leaves me up for interpretation of really what the oil level is for these trucks. Now we all know that the, the 650, 750s, they take 15 quarts. And I've heard on some Facebook posts that people have been saying that, you know, we're running 15 quarts on the old, the old requirement. And I'm like, well, that's not what it takes. It takes 13. But now mine was low, his was low, and my other boys was low. I have yet to check with my other homie in uh, Ohio, uh, uh, Diesel Daddy, uh, with his 20 Tremor and see if his is low. And he's, I think he's running full synthetic. So is it something that we're doing? Is, are we not checking the oil the same? Why, why do I have three trucks, a brand new truck for DS's sake? Why is his low? He doesn't have excessive smoke coming out the tailpipe. I don't think, I think he can concur with me. You don't have, you're not going through like mad regens, right? I don't know. You know, I, um, it doesn't seem like it. 
What's but going on? What's different? Mine was low. If you look at it, it is in the middle of the crosshatch. So maybe it's all right. You said yours was low? Yeah, mine was in the middle of the crosshatch as well with about 4,500 miles on the last oil change. Yep. But for all we know, that could be perfectly normal for 13 quarts. So for 20. You know, uh, I don't know if this will make any sense because I heard of this before. If I could quickly chime in on this. Oh, most stuff. Um, so on the five liter Coyotes in the F-150s, um, I think it was either this year or last year, they had the same problem with this. Like you'd check the oil and there'd be hardly anything in it. Yeah, I think I know what you're well, talking about. Yeah, you th I think you know exactly what I'm about to say. The dips. Yeah, are you they, are you saying uh, is it related to the start stop on the 5.0? I I think so, or it's either that or it's just that what they did was they'll give you a new one, and then with this new one, the oil was fine. It was crazy. Mm. You know, they must so have maybe yeah, they must have changed something. Well, we do know that so, they changed this intake. You know, they went yeah. to the solid aluminum intake on the power stove. That could be a good thing, too, right there. So That's a good uh, point. What if, I mean, like, does a dipstick bolt to the bolt to the uh, upper intake? But more it? to hold the bracket. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't go through the, the intake or anything. Right. Goes yeah. through the rear, goes through the rear cover and then down into the upper oil pan. And then but into I wonder, the... I wonder if, like, they're off on their dipstick a little bit if it's not when they came out whatever, you know what would be did. a good comparison is to get a 1967 dipstick and a 20 dipstick and see if there's any difference with one the length and two when you get to the end of the stick is the indicator itself yeah is it the same does right, right, are, are the cross hatches like a millimeter higher on or lower, you know, vice versa, uh, comparing to the other? I'm gonna do that. That's a really good, I'm gonna write that down. Um, uh, to do maybe take a little video, um, to see if in fact there is something different between the two. Because... Well, I wonder if there's any numbers on the dipstick as far as part numbers. Oh, I'm sure there is. So, what okay. if there's a different you know. part number for 20? Compared we to could just, oh, you know what? I mean, we got, as we're talking, I can, I got all that stuff pulled up. I can actually go to the, uh, the catalog here and see if that's actually, uh, what's going on because that, it's a possibility. I can't say that that is what is exactly going on. Um, but I know there's something different and weird for the fact for DS that you have low oil. There's no, but I definitely probably burned like, a court anyway on top of this issue but then that it doesn't seem like it's still burning oil it could have been just a weird break-in or something that it does as yeah, a new engine that could exactly True. you know another thing too i wanted to bring up it's funny because it's on the 20s and we're going through all this covid stuff and this supplier it could be a supplier issue from a recall to a renumber part number to uh, a new dipstick or if they caught a problem with it and it didn't get out in the supplier base 
in order to get it to you as they're having this problem, you know what I mean? So it could be a supply chain management problem through one of Ford's suppliers. Right. Okay. Something Everybody, just, something's just and, off you know, a little bit from a supplier. Do you think, though, that Ford <laughs> wants the oil level to be in the middle of the hat marks or no? You know, we're going to have to we're going to have to look and see if it states in the owner's manual that the I don't know. I, I don't I don't look. I know it takes 13. I don't, I don't, I don't check the oil. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You just you just assume that what you say is correct. Right. I mean, shame on me for for not. Well, do you trust that gun? Like if that gun puts spits out 13 quarts, you know that gun spits out 13 quarts. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. And I was using hey, you know what? Quartz. Like I was pouring quartz when I did mine and I did 13. Okay, so here's a 19. What does a 19 say? 6750. Wow, it is a different part number. Wow. So a interesting. A, a 19's got a different part yep. number from a yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna and show you yeah, I'm gonna show you right now. So I'm gonna actually Damn. let me let me drag this down, get this by itself, and get rid of that. And let's see if I can go back to my Zoom, and I'm going to live share this so you guys can check this out. So One thing, one thing that's interesting is this idea of a 15-quart uh, solution that is used on the heavier-duty trucks. What's different on those trucks? Do they have a bigger sump? I would imagine they might have a bigger sump. So if you guys see here, here's the oil dipstick tube indicator. Right. Here is the part number, Henry Charlie 3Z 6750 boy. Okay. So if we go out of here and go back to uh, a 20, we'll just, you know, pick my truck. And we're going to go and type the oil dipstick tube number or indicator, 6750. Where are you at? This is the tube? And this is the indicator. So LC3Z6750A. Now, I can't imagine that it's got to be that much different. So what's the difference? Wait a second. Wait a second. Are you looking at a tube or, or, or the tube and a stick together? No, I'm looking at just the indicator. Just the stick. Just the stick. So what if the stick's different, but the tube isn't? Like, it has the same tube, and then you put in a different stick in, and it's just reading in a different spot. Right, so what I'm, right, what right, I'm getting right. at, yeah, like, what's different about them? Are we checking the oil correctly? Is there something different for 2020s that we're not doing? I don't know. Look... <laughs> We're talking about it. We're trying to problem solve. We're trying to, we're trying to figure it out. Let's go back and see, can we find something for the owner's manual that's going to state when we should actually be checking it? And I know, you know, it's supposed to get it up to operating temperature, but um, is there something different for 20 that we're not aware when of? You, when you think about it, getting up to operating temperature, how much expansion do you think there's going to be at that oil? Because I know if you got like 100 gallons of oil, 
your temperature is a big factor. Like you could be filled to the rim and then like gain 10 degrees of, uh, of uh, heat and that oil is going to be overflowing. But on a scale of just having 13 quarts, I'm not sure if it expands that much. Like that? Right. To where, to where right, the volume right. is that much higher. Yeah, Nate was was just talking about that. Yeah, so like uh Sean, you might know this with um lawnmowers like that have hydraulic fluid for the transmission. Yeah, yeah. That expands a lot when it heats up in the yeah. uh overflow tank, I've yeah. noted. So I was wondering if say like five W forty does the same or ten W thirty. Right. It seems like that hydraulic oil in a mower really expands because like if it's cold, it will look like it's empty. Like right now, if I look over at my mower, they're like they're empty. And then they look low, you know, they look low. And as soon as they warm up, they they go to the right level. So exactly. So and I think that type of hydraulic fluid might be like a I think it's like a 5W. I could be wrong, but 5W30-ish, give or take. It rained. It changes based on the the hydro. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, oil. 30 weight. I don't know. What is it? Diesel 343. It can be as thick as like 5W50. Yeah, I I think it's pretty thick stuff. Yep. But maybe okay. that's why they, they say 13 quarts. They want it in the Freaking middle. Context is drying out. You know, maybe if you're full in the winter, in the summer, you'd be too full. Maybe, but when I've run the motor and got it hot, I haven't noticed that much of a of a difference. Um, of a increase. Like, it's just moving up. To, I don't I haven't noticed, but maybe... Okay. Well, what's the what's the risk of um overfilling? Is it just cavitation? Is that the only risk? Uh, there's that, and it's like you don't want it to be filled all the way up to the seals and everything. Okay, here I found it right here, guys. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, um, let me go ahead and pull this down, and let me go back to the share screen because this is good shit. Where are we at? Boom. All right, you guys, you guys can check this out. You can slow it down at your leisure. Um, I got to move this over because I cannot see. Normal operating temperatures. Yes. To check the engine oil level consistently and accurately for the 6.7 diesel and i am looking at the 2020 f250 i got pulled up here make sure the parking brake is on make sure the transmission is in park or neutral for the sake of argument we're all going to be in park run the engine until it reaches normal operating temperature if you guys want to go take a quick spin around the block go do what you got to do want to grab a bag of chips got to go put some fuel in it go drive come back and you're going to be at operating temperature. Make sure that your vehicle is on level ground. You just heard DS said he pulled it in the backyard on the level part of the driveway. Uh, Switch the engine off and wait 15 minutes for the oil to drain into the oil pan. Checking the engine oil level too soon after you switch the engine off may result in an inaccurate reading. We all can concur after 
we before we even looked at this we already were talking that this is what we already did and we hadn't even consulted the owner's manual yet so um we're right on par for what it's it's wanting us to do um next thing open the hood see opening the hood we all know how to do that remove the dipstick and wipe it with a clean lint-free cloth we all know how to do that replace the dipstick and remove it again to check the oil level and it tells us a reference to see uh, page 341. Make sure that the oil level is between the maximum and minimum marks. If the oil level is at the minimum mark, add oil immediately, and then instructs us to see the capacities and specifications. Number nine, if the oil level is correct, replace the dipstick and make sure it is fully seated. Do not remove the engine oil dipstick when the engine is running. If the oil level is between the maximum and the minimum marks, the oil level is acceptable and do not add oil. Now, what, what is that? The last yes. note, hold on, the last note, the oil consumption of new engines reaches its normal level after approximately 3,000 miles. I'm at 7,700. Nate's at 20,000. Um, what do you guys think about that? Well, it shows, it kind of explains why I burned a little bit of oil before 3,000 miles. And I think their procedure for, for making sure the oil is right between there is a little different from anything else that I've ever seen in the past. Now, right. here, here's, here's one thing. It's just one little paragraph. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's titled Engine Lubrication for Severe uh, Operation. The following conditions define severe operation for which engine operation with SAE 5W40 oil, which meets Ford specification, is recommended. Oil and oil filter change intervals will be determined by the intelligent oil life monitor, as noted previously. That right there, I do not agree with. I do not think anybody who is operating a 6.7, I don't care if you're running Amsoil, I don't care if you're running Motocraft Full Synthetic, I don't care, I do not care what oil you're running. You are not waiting until that intelligent oil life monitor tells you to change the oil. That intelligent oil life monitor is gonna have a programmed algorithm, I would think, to take into effect of how the vehicle is being operated and engine hours and well, what I see come in is not the result of the engine being maintained like it should by going by the engine intelligent oil life monitor. I think that needs to be changed. And I know myself, I know DS, I know uh, Nate, we are all following a 5,000 mile uh, oil change interval and uh, those those freaking poor tow trucks that go 10,000 miles on an oil change and are waiting for this intelligent oil life monitor to come on. It's like, oh. You know, you know what? I saw somewhere. I don't know where I saw it. I don't know if you can find it in the manual, but what is the mileage 
because I saw somewhere it said 10,000 miles for the oil change, but I don't know if that was official Ford stuff. Because mm. I know the severe duty is going to be 5,000 miles, but for normal, Sick. Sick. is it 10,000 or 5,000? I think it's 10,000 in the uh, oil life monitor. Yeah. Mm. So is it, it's 10,000 plus the oil life monitor? No way, so, man. So for me, my experience is I, I, I honestly, contrary to, to A-Rod's point, is I use the oil life monitor. But my oil life monitor has me changing it way before 5,000. But I think it takes into account, like A-Rod said, um, idling hours. Um, yeah. You know, just it's an algorithm of some sort. Yeah. Is it my, right, though? Maybe not for know. cab I mean, chassis. Is it right for pickups? Is it not the correct you know algorithm for cab chassis? I, I got to ask. You got to ask the, the question. Are they cheating the system? Those cab and chassis trunks, are they resetting it? What are they doing? Because that that should go off well before 5,000 miles if you're working your truck. I agree. It's, it's not. Mine's not going to reach 5,000. You just saw it. I was at 3,000. I was at 3,400 miles, and I'm like – my oil's done. According to the oil life monitor, the oil's done. So, you know. I and a cab chassis working harder than your truck, you know, has a service body is all the time. They should it, be able to go 10,000 miles. Is the algorithm for the pickup and the cab chassis the same and they shouldn't know. be? Maybe there should be a reprogram available for cab chassis trucks so that it can take into effect. If people want to go by the intelligent oil life monitor, so be it. You know what I think it is? But it's got to be calculated correct. I think it's not the oil life monitor. I think it's their severe duty. Because if you look at the manual for severe duty, it's so hard to be in a 10W30 oil According to Ford, it's so hard to be in a 10W30 oil. You have to just be driving like an old dude, like an old grandpa. Like you can't use your truck and run 10W30 and do anything. Like True. it wants you to drive on a perfect sunny day without ever getting stuck in traffic, without ever being dusty. But I think a lot of the cab and chassis trucks just run cheap oil, cheap basic maintenance, whatever is basic, 10W30, whatever miles. And it. It's like, according to the manual, they want that 5W40 for any kind of work. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's maybe that's got something to do with it. You know, I don't, I don't know what that 10W40. That's a good point. That's a good I don't know. Point. What, it's a weird oil. Like when I look at the bottle, it's like, I wonder how much of this, because it doesn't even say it's a synthetic blend. I don't know what what's going on inside of this bottle. Just says 10W30. I don't know what's going on inside of that bottle. That's funny. Why don't they just? Why don't they put like synthetic blend? I know their synthetic blend for their like EcoBoost is pretty good oil, but I mean that stuff. It says it's, when you look at the spec sheet, it's good oil on the spec sheet. It's got like a good pour point, a good flash point, and all that stuff. It's but. the only. I mean, 
it's the oil I would recommend and it's the oil that I'm running right now. I was just saw a post on Facebook and I was talking to, I was talking, I was, we were making the video today. We were talking about it. Um, I just saw somebody had a, a jug just like DS just showed um, of Schaefer's. I have never, um, I've never I, seen it. I've never seen it. I don't know where to buy it. I don't know it. anybody. Um, yeah. I don't know where to get it either. Uh, I know a lot of guys that swear by it, but they have fleets um like move trucks or and they're they they it's the best but i've never used it ryan what do you what are you running in your uh in, in your lawn equipment uh mobile one. Oh, okay oh yeah okay, okay. yeah 100%. never yeah all the time i mean i'll get i don't know 20 2500 hours out of an engine at least that's it or, or more that's pretty, that's pretty good that means you know, good yeah, and that's going off. I mean, I know guys who get, you know, 2,000 hours and they're popping their motors, but they also don't change the oil like they should. Wow. Or they're wow. not using I, – I think that synthetic and that stuff really – A hundred percent. Really does dude, a trick. Dude, my, uh, my old walk-behind with Mobile One in it and Soul Life, you take the valve cover off of it, it's like brand new inside. And that's – and Mobile One is it. good – it's good oil, but it's not the best. It's just decent. You know, it's just a decent oil. We should tell everybody uh, who's watching or listening. I got to get this. Oil. We are. It's in the process of getting on an RSS feed um, to get you guys on uh, uh, Google Podcast and uh, Spotify and Apple, all that fun stuff. Um, but people who are listening, um, let us know in the comment what comment section. What kind of oil are you running? Are you running Motocraft? Are you running Rotella? Matt Matt's uh, uh, um, likes to bicker with DS about the the Rotella uh, Valvoline. Are you running Schaefer's? What, what what are you running out there? Get, let us know. I mean, we got Ryan's running Mobile One. Uh, Nate, are you running Motocraft? Um, I did once when you changed it, but. Um, I just look for the Ford um, oil spec that they specify. So it's like a Ford, it says me Ford oil spec WSS and then a bunch of other, uh, you know, letters and numbers. I don't okay. remember, but okay, okay. I look at that, but it's funny. People are brand loyal when it comes to oil. They are loyal to their oil. You're right. Oh. Dude, I was so I was so mobile one until Project Farms did that video with the uh, with the uh, pins oil and the AMS oil. I was straight mobile one only. Mobile one extended performance or mobile one, whatever. I, I didn't I didn't use nothing else. But and mobile one uh, one year protection. You ever see that? Yeah, I've never I've never. Um, you know what? I do the one year. I don't do the miles. Like, I, cause of my work, my nineteen two fifty, it'll get, uh, it'll get like five thousand miles a year. So I'll change it once a yeah. year, but I don't, you know. There's one. There's one that says unlimited miles annual. <laughs> there's no way. You could. I mean, oh, wow. you no could way. probably, you could probably do it with like not unlimited, but you could probably do like that Amazoil. Um, whatever they got 25,000 miles but I don't know about doing that with a diesel because you're getting all that fuel in the in the oil so I, I think that's the diluted. Ames oil signature series yeah good is it oil I've never used it hmm 
I was blown away by by Project Farms when he did those wear tests, and you could actually see that metal to metal contact wore out less with AMSOIL, and then the heat protection was better, and then the cold pouring was better even after cooked. I was, he would I was be impressed. cool to get on the podcast just for the sake of of that that whole you know. Topic. That would be cool, but when you got when uh, I don't know, that'd be a tough one to pull off. You know. Hey, we're just uh, five real dudes, just keeping it, uh, keeping it truthful, keeping it clean, um, and keeping it real. Yeah, just keeping it real. This is what it's about. We're we're talking about real life experiences with with our four trucks, whether it's a diesel or gas. Um, and you know what what really boils down to is us being able as owners and and uh, sometimes operators even uh, is taking care of those things. And that is pretty much what you know, we take on that responsibility when we buy these things. And I know some people don't give, you know, two shits, but, you know, uh, for me spending the money I did for my truck and, and, and vice versa for DS and, and, and uh, the other guys, that's a lot of money. Now, when you got fleet companies who are buying 50 of these trucks and they're just, you know, buying XLs and, you know, putting them into the work fleet and, people are driving them and not giving two shits. Well, that's what that truck's life's destined for destined for. And it's just how it's going to be. But for the people who are actually paying it as daily, daily driver, they're in and out of it with their kids. They're using it to make money. This is part of your life. It's an investment. It's something for your business. It's only beneficial to yourself to keep it in tip top shape. Maybe you wouldn't want to get rid of it one day. You want to get the best money you want to get for it. I mean, do you want some beat up Aluma duty that DS is going to have after he clunks out a couple of dually hips on some poles and takes out a couple of mirrors? No, he's going to drive his truck and make sure he's, you know, operating it, you know, uh, carefully. He's getting the job done. He's efficient, but he's not reckless. And the same thing with Nate, myself, and Ryan. He's got, you know, a couple of trucks in his fleet. So I think people get away from uh, taking care of their vehicles just with the stuff that I see coming. And it's like you you see, you're just like, what are these people doing? I mean, I carry my daughter in the car. I mean, DS has got another kid on top of mine. So he's got two and, you know, his truck don't look like the trucks I see coming. It's like... Man, people, so, so the, people just, you know, people, uh, people just, they're so used to getting in and firing up and it turning on and going all the time. Yeah. Well, there's going to yeah. be a day where it's not going to do that. What are you going to do? What if you're <laughs> stuck on the side of the road with your family? How would you well, people, know? people get so well, busy? Yeah, you know, that's true. So yeah. You got to tell me. Yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. And you, it's, uh, you just got to, keep it up maintain as best you can and i yeah. mean with the money you have but it's a it's a uh it's a caveat it really is you know it's just you're damned if you do or you're damned if you don't and uh but the, but it's hard to get service too like you're busy uh, COVID hard, too. yeah like to get an oil change nowadays you could end up sitting in a quick lane for how long like you could be an sitting hour. there for an hour, you could be sitting there for four hours, four or five hours exactly. getting an oil change. If it's busy, it's just, it's tough. 
you know, sometimes I'll change my own oil. If it wasn't for, for A-Rod, I would just change my own oil because it's going to take me, by the time I wait, I might as well have done it myself, even though it costs the same amount of money. I might as well have done it myself. But when you see the video we made today, it was A1 service. This is what you would expect. So so yeah, very, very, very. This is what you should expect. Now, I, it is not going to happen. It's right off the bat. But I would hope this is what you would expect when you bring your truck to a Ford dealer. This is a service that you think in your head, gee, what are they doing in my truck? Are they out hot rodding around? Are they in there? Are they smoking in it? Are they are they uh, uh, smearing all the windows? No, this is what's Dude, happening. I learned. I definitely learned something. I can't wait for the video to come out because it Dude, was. I definitely learned something. When yeah. you talked about spraying off of the filter, and I've seen you do it before, but when you talk about it, it made me realize, like, I thought when I did my 6-2 oil change, which I haven't been doing a lot of oil changes, I finally got around to doing it. I put AMS oil in it and all that. I, th I honestly thought my filter was leaking. And when you explained why you clean it that way, I actually realized that my filter was not leaking. It, when you change your oil, it builds up oil on the filter that you install upside down. It builds up that oil in the like top ring. And then days later, whatever, it starts to drip down the side. And I think if I had a real oil leak on that part of the truck, it would probably shoot out. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. So to think that I'm just seeping oil, I'm thinking, oh, I'm seeping oil. I got to tighten it up. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> you could just, because normally, like on my EcoBoost, it, it spins in the other way. Like it spins on a whatever angle mm -hmm. and it hangs. So you never would. I haven't changed this style of filter in so long. Like yep. I had a six liter GM and it didn't, the six liter GM didn't do that. I don't remember ever seeing oil dripping down the oil filter on the six liter uh hmm. gm engine i see so many trucks come in and the the fl 2051 is just and the oil black. the oil is like just running down from when it got changed yeah wow yeah. i never even thought of it like that yeah. so probably I, didn't, they if, probably didn't clean the mating surface that good either it, no if you want i mean so you got a waiting customer okay well gotta figure something out if you're changing it yourself, go drain your oil, go make dinner, go clean up, and then come back. So a couple hours later, ain't nothing going to be dripping. Right, right. Nothing. Right. Go get your rag, get you wipe, spend your new filter on. You're not going to have to clean it like I was showing DS. If That's probably why I never saw it in my six liter. Because yeah. I used to like let that thing sit there and drain for yeah. 35 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, some people are meticulous. They don't want they want to get all that old oil out. Yeah. Yeah. One thing also I noticed that after you change my oil, you get in the you get inside the truck, you drive home. The way you change the oil, you don't smell oil in the cab of the truck. No. Heck no. For me, when I changed my old lady's oil the other day, get in the car, like, yeah, you're gonna smell oil for a minute. She's got a two seven. She can smell oil for a couple of days because she's got that filter on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I didn't have any, I don't even think I have any brake clean right now. And, you know, a little oil got in the engine bay by that, by that uh, filter. Exhaust, maybe. Yeah. Have and you done The way A-Rod uh, does is oil change, you don't smell nothing. It's like nothing ever happened. Nada. Have you guys read the label on a bottle of brake clean? The uh, 
the health hazard part. Oh yeah, it's not good. It says what like is- everything. Does it? Yeah, huh. like it's so, supposed to be so bad for you. We're working. It's this one's really really good. Um, works well. I like it. Um, it's non-chlorinated. When I'm not at work, this is the uh, the stuff I use at home. But uh, yeah, what are the? I, there's a couple of different languages on here. Yeah, I've tried the non-chlorinated and the other one. And they seem to work the same. Which one do you want to get? seem to do the same thing we're the hazards extremely flammable yeah we know that but doesn't it say like it, it like will make your eyes fall out or something known to the state of california to can't cause cancer yeah that and like, label. <laughs> yeah if you hold the can too long you're like toes will fall off wash <laughs> immediately yeah ridiculous like, what kind of break get- clean do you guys mm-hmm. use it's really potent and stinky. You know what? But it works. I got really it well. looking over here. Looks really works really well. I uh, just got some new one from Gunk. Uh, brake parts cleaner, chlorinated, of course. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's um, it works pretty good. I used to I get wish... the, I think it was CPC brand. Okay. Okay. I wish I had that breaking oh. sprayer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That sure shot's where it's at, man. I love that sure shot. Is it the green one that you use? Oh yeah, yeah. That's, we get oh, it. In, that's awesome. Yeah, we get it in bulk and we charge it up, you know, with with shop air and um, um, you know, it just stays. Stays. Is that stuff in bulk by the gallon or by like the fifty-five gallon? By the drum, yeah. Big drum. Brake fluid, brake fluid by the drum. Brake cleaner by the drum, yeah. Or I'm sorry, brake cleaner. Yeah. What if the drum broke open, like and spilled right on the shop floor? Oh, yeah, a clean shop floor. That would suck. <laughs> that would be. Wouldn't that be wild? <laughs> That'd be a lot of waste money. Dude, everybody would just lay on the ground. Like, why is everyone ugh, just fainting from all the fumes? They just. Fuck. Oh man. Oh, the floor's so clean. It would just be a fog in the right. in the shop, it would, and then the place would probably just blow up. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. That'd be like that one dealership out by, uh, kind of out by you. Um, they, it was like a, a Chevy dealer, and something got spilled in the shop, and the janitor went over it with the floor scrubber, and like the floor scrubber yep. lighted everything and burned that whole dealership down. Customers, oh, cars, wow. and everything in there. I would be nervous to have a 55 gallon drum of brake fluid, dude. That sounds so scary. Clean brake cleaner, dude. That sounds scary. <laughs> or just it's imagine cool. like a 50, a 55 gallon drum of brake fluid breaks open. <laughs> oh man, if you're gonna be just, skating. There'd be just, no. All the paint would be gone off the floor. Just oh, all that man. epoxy. <laughs> God, you know what? I okay. That's a good. This is a good topic to talk about. Something different. It's 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 in the power stroke, and and we have to use it in pretty much all of our cars, whether it's gas or diesel, uh, car or truck. If you could get any fluid on you, we have diesel fuel, gasoline, Oof. brake fluid, coolant, power steering, trans. What else? AC refrigerant, rear axle dope. What, what about an, what about like anti-seize? Are we going to include that in there? 
Uh, and nah. I sees because that's that sucks. You know, Grease, Grease that we just did DS thing. DS is uh, lube tizzing, and then Friction Mod. Out of those ten, let us know in the comment section which would you not want on you. For the sake of God, I hate. Out of all things, I cannot stand when diesel fuel gets on me. I'm wearing it all day. And if it lands here, the spot's going to be like this big because it's going to wick all over my shoulder. And then I'll be, I'll be, I'll be like this wiping the sweat. Oh, now it's on my face and it's in my beard. I, I can't stand getting diesel fuel on me. I just, I'm, I guess I picked the wrong profession, but I mean, diesel cologne, that's my top, top one. Even today I was talking to DS. I did, did water separator on his, I don't know where I got it, but we're just bullshitting after we got done working on his truck and I'm on my phone. I'm like, what the, what it's on me. I smell it. It's, it's, it's in my hair. I don't know what I did. It was on my, I think, somewhere. I think, I think brake fluid is kind of gross. It's probably the grossest one. You probably don't have to deal with a lot of brake fluid. But that's probably worse than diesel. Brake like, fluid and then working with rubber gloves. That brake fluid sucks. Yeah. It like eats stuff up. Like it eats up paint. And then it's a weird chemical. Like, ugh, I wouldn't want that on me. Coolant. I think coolant would be the least that I would care about. If I got coolant on me. It depends on whatever. how much coolant. How much mostly coolant. Water, mostly water. A little oh. drip? Okay. A uh, whole cup of it? Nah, well, not. not like on my shirt. Like, I mean, say it like ran down my arm or something on my sleeve. You know, I'm taking a hose off or something. I mean, that's no big deal. I'll just, but like getting oil on you or rear axle fluid. Oh, man. Then you're in your sinuses and you're going to be smelling that shit all day, all night. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. Ugh. Yeah, that's pretty disgusting. Mm. Dude, one time I was working that a trucking company. I used to change semi-truck tires and uh, I used to run a machine there on the, on the site, on, on the property. And they had, and they were so cheap that they didn't want to heat the shop with anything but used motor oil. So they oh, would yeah. collect oh, everybody's ah. motor oil from around like the area. Oh yeah. They would just get 55 gallon drums of this old oil. But the problem is they don't know what's in that oil. Yeah. They right. They don't know if it's brake fluid. Nasty. Or so they, they told well, my job during the winter was to constantly fill up this oil and I had to big Ingersoll ran boom lift. I would go into the other yard across the street and pick up oil, pallets of oil, but the pallets were all broken. So it'd be oil like hanging, the oil pallets would hang and then I would have to like get a hook and hook it to the, to the 55 gallon drum and go out in the freezing cold and just watch this used goop just drip slowly into another container. <laughs> and then oh man one time it snowed one time it snowed like i don't know six inches and there was a pallet that i had to get and i didn't want to shovel so i tried to take the forks and angle them like this like two forks and angle them under the snow and dive under the snow and get them get them drum some oil mm. but the snow lifted up the forks and they didn't quite go under the uh under the pallet, they went right through the bottom of the oil. <laughs> oh, they went right crazy. through both of the drums and oh, stabbed, no. stabbed these 55 gallon drums. Oh. And the machine had so much power that it, you didn't feel it at all. I'm just thinking, I'm hooking up. I get out and look, and 
all oil this everywhere. Uh, probably oh. like a hundred, or I can't remember if it was a hundred or two hundred gallons of like used oh, no. used goo comes How the out hell onto did they the clean ground. That up? I was so scared that I was shaking, and I had to tell <laughs> my boss, "You about to pass I, out." I wasn't going to pass out, but I was shaking. I was like, oh, no, I just spilled all this oil on the ground. It's going to be a huge environmental hazard. At least 100 gallons, maybe two. They're about to call the EPA. I was you had so an Exxon Valdez situation on your hands. This oil just started yeah. spreading, dude. It just started spreading. And I went to the boss and was like, I got I spilled a hundred gallons of oil oh, out the street. Oh. He just he just looked at me and was just like, "Don't worry about it." <laughs> he was like, wow. "That land is already contaminated," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, thank you!" Like, because it was right next to a um, right next to a junkyard. Like his yard was was next to some junkyard. I think it was called like Fritz or something over in uh, on West Chicago in Detroit on uh, on the west side of Detroit. And What's wow. all that oil just out, dude, for like a year, there was like little oil droplets every time it rained. It just oh, oil droplets floating around. Oh man, what a what a what a mess. Sometimes wow, man, you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you lose. I wonder what where Mr. Matt is. I tried calling him, text him. He just said he's out of town. I wonder where he went. <laughs> Wonder uh, he went down the, to Tijuana. I'm in the up north parts of Michigan. Word, word. What are you doing up there? Doing uh, some snowmobiling. Oh yeah, duh. Hence the snowmobile trailer, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're on vacation in a snowmobile trailer. Uh well, this is that's, like a place I have privacy from that. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not my my trailer, but it's um. You know, your buddies. Nice. Yeah. How did you get? How did you get twenty thousand miles on your truck so fast? So this is a funny story. Uh, I got the truck. I ordered the truck in November of twenty nineteen. Didn't get the truck till March of twenty twenty. Built. It was built incorrectly. So they put the wrong instrument cluster in. Because of COVID, it was stuck at the dealership for two months. Oh, that's right. So this you know. was a this was an issue with the factory, and it got out of the factory. Yeah. So they put the uh, you know the instrument cluster with the two inch blue ice little tiny. Oh screen. no! Yeah. I had that, and I was supposed to have the little bit little bit bigger screen. Wow. Yeah, that's a but. That's a bummer. That's a COVID truck. Yeah, that's a it's a COVID truck, and uh, the dealership closed without telling me or telling anyone. It closed um, down. It closed down. Yeah, like for COVID. Uh, for call, COVID. I just oh, called. Oh, oh like, okay, okay. I call and it's like we're closed until further notice. So. Oh. Um. But yeah, I mean, I do a lot of highway driving. I go up north um, pretty frequently. So it's mostly highway miles, yeah. Oh, okay, going up north and everything. Yeah, I got to commute to work about 30 minutes. At, 
that too. So, what kind of uh, what kind of MPG are you getting? Uh, getting about like nineteen and a half. Damn, that's pretty good. What? Yeah. Okay, so when you actually, uh, so you do a lot of highway driving. When you actually get around to ch- changing your oil, do you go off the five thousand miles, or do you go off the oil life indicator? Oh, so I'm I'm using the same oil you are, five W forty synthetic. And I did do about five thousand mile intervals, but now since I I tow a little bit, I haul you know lightly. I'm gonna do seventy five hundred. So when, that when, way, when, when I, you've done fill- the five thousand, what was the uh, oil life monitor? How did it look? Um, I don't remember. I think it was like like right now I'm at fifty percent. How many miles? Uh, I think about forty seven hundred ish. Yeah. So like if you if you go off the oil life monitor, you might get close to ten thousand miles. Mm-hmm. To to me, it seemed like it it would be ten thousand. Yeah, that's crazy, but, man. But you have to think of it like this, though. Those miles, miles aren't really an indication. That's just distance traveled. It doesn't really like for me. I got I got two hundred hours on here's top a, of. Here's a heavy truck too. Yeah, I, I, like for example, I think I left out a Aaron's shop towing. Or not towing, but hauling at least 3,500 pounds. So that my, my miles are going to be weighed differently. I've already lost, like we just reset the oil monitor and I'm already at 99% and we just did it today. Yeah, and I think that's why Ford has all those different service intervals based on your conditions. I wonder, like, what your oil condition would look like at 5,000 miles compared to mine. I got 3,000 miles. My oil is used up 3,400 miles. I'm at 20% mm. on the oil life. Someone should do the Blackstone oil analysis. That'd be interesting to compare. We yes. took a sample. Yeah, we took a sample, and we uh... – now, if if you can imagine – if you want to run off miles, if I said, well, I want to run off miles and I try to run off 10,000 miles just because you can run off, like some people can run off of 10,000 miles because they drive a lot of miles. My yeah. engine would probably be toast by the time I reach 10,000 miles if I tried that. You know, there's, like, there's some fleets that run 20,000 mile oil change intervals. Right, right, but, but they're put, but they're over the road. But they're testing the oil. Yeah, they're testing the oil. You know what I'm saying? So they're like, we need to save money, so we're not changing until the oil analysis shows we need to. You know, it's funny. I was watching that AMS oil guy that's on uh, YouTube. His name is like Oil Protection or something. It's some guy named. Uh, oh Ian. yeah, I yep. And uh, he was doing that to a truck, but it blew a turbo. He was going like, I think the guy had like 18,000 miles on his uh, power stroke. Was it a Cummins? It was one of the two. And everything was all right with the oil, but he he ended up with fuel dilution. And then his turbo, I don't know if his, they blamed the fuel dilution on the turbo. And A-Rod, you can chime in on this because you would know. 
which one will come first, the fuel dilution, then the oil, and then the turbo failure, and the, or the turbo failure, and then the, according to them, he had fuel dilution in his oil because the turbo failed? No. It seems like if you have fuel dilution in your oil because you're going 18,000 miles, everything else was great, but he got the and fuel the in the failed. oil. Then a tur- that would that would hurt the turbo, I would think. Correct. Because if Not- you got if you got something that's spinning, what's the thing spinning at? One hundred fifty thousand RPM. Probably two hundred thousand RPM. That needs a- superior lubrication. And if you're yeah. going to put something in it, that's going to have fuel. Yeah, I mean, that's going to scavenge all of the lubricating properties that is the film between these bearings and clearances in this turbocharger. I don't see how a turbo failure could cause fuel dilution to be in the oil, though. I don't get how they figured that one. He's like, yeah, the turbo failed, so you have fuel in your oil. I don't get that. I mean, fuel would have to leak down past the cylinder walls, wouldn't it, to get to the oil? I would think, yeah. Yeah. Regents. Doing a lot of regents. I don't know. Or, you know what? No, he had 18,000 miles. See, like, with the with the extended oil change from Amsoil, it, it has everything you need. It has the TBN numbers and everything. But for a diesel, if your fuel is getting into the oil, which is a natural over the course of 18,000 miles, you're going to get the fuel in the oil. So there's no filter that's going to filter that out. There's nothing really you can do to get that out except change the oil. So I don't know. And, it, mm-hmm. and, and when you look at the Amsoil extended oil change, it says you can't do it for deleted trucks or for uh, emissions trucks. They say, really, you can't do an extended oil interval for an emissions truck. you got to run off the manufacturer's recommendations. So... You know, I I heard uh, a lot of these dudes running Amsoil for their diesels. Um, I, I some of them are complaining that it's really not like the best quality for it, and for what you're saying, like for clean idle and all the emissions and all that stuff. A lot of people are having problems with it. Uh, I know on there's a couple YouTube videos about that too. There's just a lot of people that are really unhappy about it. In Amsoil corporates getting a lot of a uh, lot of uh, complaints about it too, so it's kind of like a wow problem, you know. Wow, Ryan, didn't you say? Um, uh, wasn't it your your uncle? Didn't you say your uncle had ordered a brand new Super Duty? Yeah, yep. He just ordered a. What was the specs on that? Um, Three fifty. He got the ultimate, uh, or like, what is it? The uh, is it the ultimate tow package you can get? Six mm crew cab, short box. Okay, what color is he gonna get? Oh, uh, he got the gray. Kind of like, I think the gray for this, the new ones is a little bit lighter than my nineteen. But yeah, <laughs> he got the gray. I want. Is it still iconic, Sean? Ah, uh, that's the silver. And then the gray used to be magnetic. Oh, gray. And now it's, uh, now yeah. It's, um, Right, right. What do they call gray now? They they got rid of magnetic and called it something else. And Dark shadow have, gray. You probably have, if you if you have a nineteen, it's probably called mag- magnetic. Yeah, mine's magnetic. And I don't know what they called it in twenty. 
I'm excited for him. I wonder is he gonna have um it's lithium shoot. lithium and carbonized gray. He'd probably have like the same wheels and tires yours has, probably, huh? Um they're a little like different. The Kevlar's? They're a little different. Yeah, he's got the Kevlar's. Uh I think his build date's actually coming up here in two weeks. No kidding. Well, good yeah. for him. That's cool. He gives, me, he gives me like a daily update. That's cool. That's cool. It's gonna be a good truck. It's not gonna be really be a COVID truck. The plants are up and running good. <laughs> Huh. When mine was built, they weren't. They were like most of the normal uh, workers were like it was all new people, like straight off the street, new people. Mm. But now it's like everybody's kind of back. The regulars are back. So that'll be a good truck. Does anyone have the Kevlar tires? Anyone? You guys? I have them. What I are those? What, what is that? Good. Why they kept why they Kevlar like they're bulletproof? <laughs> uh, no, they're like an all terrain, mm, but okay. I don't, I don't love them. I have them aggressive tread. Um, no, not too aggressive. No, is, is do you see a lot more road noise with those? Mine are quiet, but they are a bumpy ride, I'd say. How much air pressure do you run? Ooh, I'm running factory 6080. Take some air out cuz uh if you're not if you're not towing, you can run the minimum all the way around. It will ride a lot better. What does your 450 call for? 9080. My 450 90. calls 90 in the front, 80 in the rear, but 90? Uh, yeah. Wow. But but <laughs> with mine uh, you probably should run the recommended it because it's got the commercial tires. So I'm, I've been, it rides to me, it rides good with 9080. Dude, 90 is absurd. Whew. Yeah, but my tires, though, you can't like, I don't think you can lower the pressure that much on mine because of the way yeah. the tires are designed. I think you can probably go down to like 80 and be. Like, I think I was at 80, and it rode okay, but it rides the same at 90. Whereas, yeah. like, how how the uh, light lighter-duty tires, how they say 80 in the rear, yeah, if you're running, fat, if you're running the max uh, gross vehicle weight rating, yeah. But if you're not, then I wouldn't run that in the rear because the rear is light, and it makes it ride bad. So, you know, unless you're going to tow the maximum towing and have the maximum tongue weight on your hitch, then... I don't think it's a good idea to run 80 in the rear. Somebody's going to come out with it because it's out for the 17 through 19 in Luma Duties. The spreadsheet for four scan for TPMS, I want to change it so that I can put any pressure in the back. I want to run 65 all the way around, and I did change it, and my tire pressure light came on. So Wow, I run 65 in my uh, 250, and it doesn't say anything. Wow. Yeah, it comes on. It a, mm -hmm. I said 65 in the front, 65 in the back. And next thing I know, tire pressure. I'm like, oh, come on. Really? What? What? Yeah, I got I got 65 all the way around. Now, in the 250, if it's uh, if, it, if I'm plowing and salting with the 250, I'll run 80 in the front and 80 in the rear because I'm going to be at the gross weight rating for the front axle and gross. I'll be gross weight rating all the way around. So, it kind of works out good to have the full pressure all the way around when I'm carrying a thousand pounds on the front. Word. You know. Speaking of clouds, 
Yeah, I picked up a Western Whiteout this year. Have you have you had a chance to use it yet? Not yet, no. That's a good plow. Yeah, it's similar to yours. I had a I had a whiteout before. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you did. And uh, the best thing about it was that uh, was that scoop mode. Putting it in scoop. That's yeah. That, because like the tripping of the blade is so annoying. Like that vibration that that if it if it's like a little bit warm out and then the blades hitting a little bit wet concrete and it just slaps it just uh-huh. slaps the board just there's such a heavy blade and it's got those heavy duty springs it can vibrate but if you scoop it it doesn't do that because the poly edges kind of like almost squeegee the ground it's like it smooths uh-huh. out the the roughness of of plowing so i when i had the white out i just I pretty much would scoop it all the time and just scrape out with it scoop, you know, and it was a, cause like, as soon as you go straight, it starts to, it starts to do this to on you. Yeah. Cause it's, cause it's so wide. It's like, you can go 10 feet. It's so heavy. It's wide but and heavy. I've only used boss previously. So I feel like the whiteout is um, pretty um, robust and pretty, uh, pretty uh, reliable. I had no issues that's, out of it. That's good to hear. Um, do you have a boss V plow or a straight? Plow? I ran three bosses. I my first boss was a seven foot six poly on a half ton truck, and then I had an EXT, which is like a wide out. Oh yeah, I heard those were problematic at first. They are because I they replaced my whole mold board for free under warranty. Oh wow! It was cracking. It was ripping the metal, like the metal shearing. Because it's stuck in scoop mode. I I saw that and I didn't like that because it's always scooped and it expands. Well, with the whiteout, you uh, can uh, you can approach like a curb, and yeah. you can put a set a pile of snow right up to a curb without. When it's, if it's already scooped and you can't get flat up against anything, I don't think that's a good design. It won't windrow real good because it's always scooped, you know? Yeah, that too. Um, and then we still have a Boss V-Plow stainless, which it's okay. Um, I, don't, I don't like how they have like those return springs to, it, for, the, uh, v, for the V-Mode. It returns with the spring. Yeah. And I, Versus hydraulics, yeah. Yeah, I've heard when you back drag, it like scoops, it, it collapses into a scoop. You back drag. So I haven't had that happen, but with thick, wet snow, I've had the, the scoop mode open up on me. Oh, cause, okay. Because of the weight of the snow, yeah, it won't stay in scoop. That's never happened with a whiteout for me. Yeah. But the white, oh man, these whiteouts and that, well, the Fisher XLS is a pretty much the same thing. They yeah. could take some. They could take some abuse. I smacked the curb the other day, so hard <laughs> at full force. I was uh, plowing a driveway, and I don't have no markers out, and I was yeah. trying to get close to this mailbox, and I was trying to get out of traffic as well, and I just gunned it, <laughs> and the blade was angled this way, and it took all the force of the truck. It bounced over the curb, and it just kicked back like the hydraulics released, and it went, and and it just went back in. And it bounced over the curb, and that was that. And I got, and I'm thinking, well, <laughs> good thing, uh, 
<laughs> it's not a boss, but uh. it just it just took it. You can't tell nothing happened to it. It didn't break the wing or nothing. It just it was just fine. So good. At least they're all affixed to a Ford Super Duty or for a Ford truck for that matter. It's it's crazy <clears throat> what these trucks can do. It's just it's just insane when it's when it's snowing and you're going through that storm. It's just yeah. you're like, man, is this truck gonna be all right? You spray the thing off, it's still good. <laughs> spray it off, so, the truck's still good. So the boss dealer yeah. by me. They only use Ford Super Duties. Hell yeah. For, for their plow fleet because of the solid axle in the front. That's awesome. That's interesting because Boss is a Boss is a lighter plow. So if you want anything on a Chevy, you would want a boss. Because wideouts just are heavy. Fisher XLS are really heavy. So mm-hmm. Boss, like, I think they- Boss Boss does have down pressure, right? Now, yeah. Yeah. But the dealer told me that the Chevys, they would sag a little more than a, a Super Duty because Chevys have the independent front suspension. So with the plow brakes, they kind of, the front end drops more, they told that, me. That and if the front end drops and you have an independent front suspension, that, that has an effect on your wheel alignment. Because any adjustment to your height has to be taken into account before you set your toe with the independent front suspension. So, like, you pull down the Chevy's front end and the distance between, like, your control arms, they look like this, like, level, right, for independent front suspension. So, you, you put too much weight on it, and then it starts doing this, starts doing that, and now your, your, your toe is going to be a little bit off because... Your tires, they as they go down, they get closer, or and they do this as they go up and down, like they get further. So your right height so, has to be right on those. So but on a Super we, Duty, that's not the case. So we have a 2013 Silverado 500 uh, plow truck at, at work still, and I still think it, it rides good. The front end, that's the one thing I have to say about it. It rides yeah. good. You mean empty? Empty, yep. Yeah, it, they do have a good front end for being empty. Because you know what's good about those is they like to um, they like to track a little better. Uh, independent front suspension, it just drives down the road. It doesn't wander as much. Aside from to me, that. To me, it's almost like a half time. Not quite, but close. Yeah. Having that independent front suspension does not wander as much as Super Duty can wander a little bit. Yeah. But I will say this, though. Uh, when I put my plow on my truck, it don't wander no more. It just drives like it's almost like a 150 because all that extra weight is just helping it be more planted, it seems like. Yeah, I like, I like my Super Duty. It's the best truck I've ever uh, had. But that's the only thing I would say about the Chevy is they the rides good. You know, yeah, they do. Yeah, that is uh, that is a good point. If, if you're empty, but I will say this too: I don't think their turning radius is as good because of that. I would agree. I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah. 
because they got those uh, CV joints. And I don't think those CV joints have the same ability to turn as sharp as these half shafts that disengage fully when you when you turn. Now, I think they might have made the CV joints start to disengage fully in the later years. But I think like even uh, A-Rod's Tahoe, it might not have that where the CV joints disengage. I know my 04, the CV joints would always spin. They were bolted to the hubs. Whereas my uh, F-150 had CV joints in the front. They would disengage from the hubs with a vacuum actuator so they didn't spin. But even my 150 didn't have the turning radius of my 250. My 250 would cut in harder than even my 150. Mm-hmm. You got to think, a CV joint can only turn so sharp mm-hmm. for yeah. it's beyond its ability to turn any sharper. So yeah, but there are some pros and cons. You know, the CV joint is, is superior in the sense that it is a constant velocity when it rotates. So if you do turn the amount that it can turn, there's not as much vibrating in the steering wheel. Like, well, you know how you turn the Super Duty. That steering wheel, as you turn, it'll kind of shimmy on you if you get in your full lock while it's in four-wheel drive or that doesn't happen with a CV joint. But it doesn't turn as sharp. So they yeah. tend to still get bound up, so it don't really matter if it doesn't shimmy or not. Yeah, for me, the... Uh... The aluminum body was um, definitely a feature that I liked when I was shopping. Yeah, for me too. I love my Ford Super Duties. I love talking about them. They're not going to working on them. They're not going to rust. We aluminum dutied. Tell us in the comment section if you have an aluminum duty. I haven't seen. I haven't seen any rust yet. I haven't seen any rust on one yet. Any corrosion problems? Aluma duties out there. I used to see, I used to see like aluminum issues back in the day. Like aluminum parts would have the flakiness coming off of them, but on a a vehicle that's been uh, all aluminum from the start, that's not a mixture of metals uh, from Ford. I haven't seen any problems yet. Paint seems pretty good. I'm in an aluminum trailer right now. Aluminum frame trailer. Well, I think that might be a, a good time to... <laughs> I'm just reading a comment. That's... <laughs> what, what, is, what did it say? This guy's like, the F-250's got Bluetooth drive shafts. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. (laughs) And everybody who's watching, we'll bring this podcast number 12 to an end. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to see. We're going to talk about trucks nonstop. That's what we do here on the Power Stroke Tech Talk podcast. Thanks so much for our newcomers, Nate and Svets. Um, We appreciate you phoning in. Ryan, appreciate the sideline and DS always. Um, check out my email here at the top above my head. If you guys want to get on the show, I'll get you in queue and you can talk about your truck with us here on the podcast. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time.